Hello and welcome to the Minnesota Gardening Podcast. My friend, it is great to have you here with us today. My name is Brad Tabke and I am the host of this podcast. And today we are going to talk about fall cleanups. Yes, it is absolutely fall here in Minnesota, no matter where you're at, whether you've gotten uh, leaves are down in your area yet, or they're yet to fall down in Southern Minnesota, but it is absolutely fall. And we're going to talk about fall cleanups and what we need to do in the main areas of our garden that we focus on with the Minnesota Gardening Club in uh, landscape, sustainable lawn care and fruits and vegetable gardening. So you can find the show notes and a handy checklist for this episode at minnesotagardening.com slash five. And that's the number five, minnesotagardening.com slash five. You can also find a transcript for this episode and just lots of good stuff there if you head over to the website. So Starting out here, we are going to talk a little bit around just the general concepts of fall maintenance. So we need to think in our gardens and think in our lawns about what happens in the more natural worlds in our prairie and our tall grass prairies in our forests where all of our plants, landscape plants and everything have evolved and grown and what they're used to. And so if you think about those areas, it will trigger thoughts of, you know, inches thick of fallen needles in our forests of the Northwest. If you were thinking about uh, hardwood forests in Minnesota, where you just got these piles of leaves all over the place. If you're thinking about our prairies where the roots grow deep and we have the grasses and flowers and natural plants, native plants that are all uh, staying there. And so they hang out all fall long. And if you think about all the little bugs and critters and things that overwinter in those plants, they are critical portions of our pollinator system. So a lot of the stems, a lot of the leaves, a lot of the different places where where plants and animals grow, we have a very clear connection to spring and our pollinators and making sure we're supporting our pollinators. And so we want to make sure to save as many of those things in their natural state as we possibly can that makes sense for us in our home gardening type of situation here. And so with that, most of my fall maintenance ethic and uh, philosophy revolve around just leaving it. So there are a lot of plants that I leave until spring, so I hardly cut anything back. Uh, All the leaves stay on the grass, and I'll talk a little bit here about how how one can do that and how one can make sure that that is (laughs) simultaneously uh, positive for your turf and for your landscape and for all the pollinators again, but as well so you don't uh, make enemies with your neighbors by having leaves flow all over the place and like that. So it uh, is a definite theory around here at Minnesota Gardening that we use as much and, and, and work as closely as we possibly can to the natural state of these life cycles of all of our plants that we are working with and growing here in Minnesota. And so those are the things that we're going to focus on as we go through this list. And again, you can find a checklist at minnesotagardening.com slash five for this episode in the show notes. So first, let's start with sustainable lawn care. And so when we talk about sustainable lawn care, we are talking about how we can uh, grow happy, healthy turf. And that can be whatever you want it to be. That can have a lot of other pollinators growing within the turf. That can be as, as 
most of it as turf grass that we think of a typical suburban type yard as turf grass. It can be anything in between those things. And what we generally work toward here at Minnesota Gardening is a good enough type strategy for lawn care. And so that is reducing the number of chemicals that we use significantly. So not using, uh, any weed control, if at all, not using any weed control chemicals, if at all, using as least amount of fertilizer as we possibly can, as well as reducing the amount of water that it takes to grow our lawns. And so with that, the overall philosophy and the overall plan for it is to have as much organic material and as many nutrients returned to the soil as possible. And that really is critical for leaves. And so we highly recommend and virtually require not bagging grass clippings each year when you mow, but as well with these leaves that come down. If you take and mow over those leaves and crush them up, they will disintegrate and go down into your turf grass after a couple breezes, after uh, some, a couple rains, that kind of thing. After snow for sure, they will filter their way through your grass to the soil and they will break down there, adding organic material and nutrients to your turf grass. And so a lot of folks, if you have a heavy wooded lawn, it is really okay to continue doing this as long as you can see some of the grass through your leaves. It might take you a couple different passes to, to break those leaves down with your mower, but do not rake your leaves. Leave them in place. Move them around your yard if you need to in order to make sure to get enough coverage with there, but do not rake your leaves. Mow them and have them uh, break down right where they are in your, in your turf, and that will add nutrients. That will help with weed control. That'll do a lot of great things for your lawn. So that's the number one thing. You can also take those and uh, take any of those broken down leaves and put them as mulch in your bed. So if you plant garlic, overwinter leaves are really great mulch for your garlic, for bulbs, for different things like that. So there are a lot of really great ways to use your leaves. Don't pick them up and take them somewhere else. Uh, make sure to leave them as nutrient and organic material in your turf grass. So the second thing with sustainable lawn care is weed control. So if you're the kind of person that really hates weeds in your lawn, um, that's okay. We're not going to judge, but we have to also understand that a lot of weeds are great for pollinators, that using herbicides and chemicals are really bad for a lot of our pollinator friends, and that you need to decide what makes sense for you. In my lawn, I use a little bit of weed control, especially in the front yard. My backyard, I don't use anything. But when you are doing that, use a spot spray. In the fall is the best time to kill weeds. So if you have something, like a lot of people hate Creeping Charlie, fall is the best time to kill Creeping Charlie because it is taking, after you have a, a first frost or a freeze, the plant starts to take those nutrients from the leaves down into the soil and into the roots. And so if you if you spray during the fall and you do a spray just where you need to, so kill only the plants that you need to and use as little amount of chemical and herbicide as possible. With that, as uh, fall is the best time to do it and use the least amount of chemical that you need to in order to kill those plants. The other thing to do in the fall is to, our turf grass is not native to Minnesota. It's not something that is uh, was intended to grow here. And so it has a couple of quirks in its needs for how it grows. 
So in Minnesota, we pretty much have to use some nitrogen in order for our turf grass to grow. And and by that, a lot of folks are saying they just don't want to use chemicals and things. Totally get it. There are completely organic fertilizers that are uh, best is made from turkey manure that you can use for fertilizing your turf. But if you don't fertilize it, what happens is it is an erosion problem. And so a lot of that soil, a lot of that topsoil will erode from your your lawn if you don't have at least a mostly healthy lawn growing on there. So I highly recommend putting some fertilizer down this time of year. You basically just need some nitrogen and it works really well for beefing up your turf, making get, getting it through winter and getting a strong start in the spring. Now we're going to move on to the landscape side of things, so perennials and trees and shrubs and those types of things. Again, with these plants, we are going to go with the vast majority of just leave them alone, let them go through winter. And a big reason why we like to do that is aesthetically, having plants in the landscape during the winter is so much better than not having plants there. They'll catch the snow, they'll at least be something to look at through our long winter months, and it'll remind you of that beautiful uh, rudbeckia and the beautiful peonies that were growing earlier in the year, and to have those memories of what that season was. As well, it is a really important, again, overwintering mechanism for a lot of our pollinators, for a lot of bees, a lot of wasps, and different things like that. And I'm talking good wasps that we really want to have around. And so they overwinter in that leaf and stem debris, and we want to leave those here as long as we can. Now, that being said, there are a couple of plants that I do remove each year. I pull out my daylilies because they just get gross and gnarly over the winter. The same thing with hostas, those big leaves. If we can leave the stems and the flower stems on there, I leave those intact. But the the leaves, I pull those out so that they don't get all rotted and wet and they're just kind of gross when you get to them in spring. So I pull those out for that reason. And then uh, the other thing that I always pull out, the hostas and daylilies I throw in my compost, but if uh, you have irises, it is really important to take and cut back the leaves of the irises and you want to take and throw those away. Those you don't want to go into your personal compost at your house. You want to bag them and put or put them into a compost that goes to a commercial facility because irises overwinter and iris borer and they overwinter in the leaves and they're really bad for your irises. They can kill them all off and you just don't want to run the risk of having that overwinter in your yard. So you want to make sure to pull out all your irises so you get rid of all those uh, nasty iris borers there. We talked a lot about leaves earlier with our turf. One thing you also want to make sure to do is make sure to keep the leaves out of the curb and gutter along your street if you have that kind of uh, system in your community. So you want to make sure that those leaves aren't going into the stormwater because that does a lot for adding phosphorus and algae blooms the next year, and it's really bad for our waterways. And so you want to make sure to keep every time, especially before it rains, you want to keep cleaning up those leaves. So get a broom out, get a blower out, whatever works best for you, and clean those leaves out from the curb area along your house. So our fruit and vegetable garden live by a slightly different philosophy. There are a lot of things that we can leave in there if we want, but generally our our gardens aren't meant for a lot of winter interests and a lot of things going through there, nor do a lot of them have a bunch of wasps and beneficial insects that overwinter in their stems. But what I 
What I do with my vegetable garden in the winter is I cut back to the ground the things like peppers and green beans and tomatoes and those kinds of things because, especially with the tomatoes, there are a lot of nasty issues that come with overwintering at in the garden with those things. And so powdery mildews and that kind of stuff can all overwinter in the garden. We want to reduce that population as much as we can. So the cucumbers, I pull anything off trellises. I leave my Brussels sprouts as long as I possibly can, but harvest everything else. And when they're done fruiting and blooming, just like the rest of the year, I yank them out, either just cutting them off at the ground level. So those roots add organic material to the soil, or I pull them out entirely. So it's uh, fruit and vegetable garden is a little bit different, but you want to make sure to clean up as much much as you can so there's not overwintering material that could carry pathogens and fungus and bacteria and, and those types of things, viruses from year to year in your vegetable garden because those are very much more intensive activities than what you've got going on with your flower beds. So lastly, just want to talk about a couple other things. One, make sure to get your irrigation blown out. If you've got an irrigation system, I'm sure you already know about that. But then as well, one thing I almost always forget is to uh, shut off your water to your outdoor spigots and unhook your hoses and leave that hose that outdoor spigot open a little bit so that the freeze-thaw action does not break that. I mess that up pretty much every year and remember about <laughs> 25 degrees and just hope and pray that I haven't broken anything. So that is that is where I am at. So those are our fall cleanup activities and things that need to be happening in our gardening aspects of our life for fall. And so the general general word is just to leave it there and let that organic material build up and provide nutrients and great, great things to our soils. And so that's where we are with fall cleanup for today. I hope you are having a wonderful fall and have gotten out to enjoy the beautiful leaves and gotten out to see what nature has to offer. And I've also gotten the chance to go to minnesotagardeningclub.com. So we are open right now for our fall membership uh, applications. And so we are accepting new members this fall until Sunday, the 24th. So at the end of the day, Sunday, the 24th, we will no longer be accepting new members into the Minnesota Gardening Club. So I hope you join between now and then. This is the last time we're going to offer it for only $10 a month. So it's $10 a month for the Minnesota Gardening Club. And it's just a wonderful group of people. Facebook, online Facebook community where we post a lot of different things. And it reduces the craziness that happens with terrible information that you get from Google or things that apply to different climates than we're in. Reduces the snark of some Facebook groups that you will be in getting just kind of negative or people thinking they're funny and they're just not funny. Replying to questions that you're having. It's just a safe space for new and experienced gardeners to be talking about this beautiful, beautiful thing that we do with gardening here in Minnesota. So it's a really great group. We have weekly emails about information that uh, people should be doing in their gardening to help people stay on task and on top of things. We also have monthly meetings where you can ask questions, you can be part of the group, and just a lot of other really cool things that we're doing and a lot of really great things we've got coming up over this winter. And so we'll be focusing a lot on learning about Minnesota plants this winter. We'll also be focusing a lot about planning for the 2022 season. So make sure to join today as a member of the Minnesota Gardening Club, and you can find more information for that at minnesotagardeningclub.com. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much and have a great, great day.